Welcome to Momentum Church. Man, I'm excited. Today's an important day because we are finishing John. Amen? It's been like literally a year and a few months. We took breaks throughout the year and a few months and did different series in and throughout. But today is the 27th message in our series on John. And we're going to be jumping in here in a moment to John chapter 21. Y'all have done it. You've got through this incredible book. And here's the thing about it. All through this book, we have been seeing Jesus make himself known. He's made himself known, saying that I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He said, I'm that great shepherd, amen? He said, I'm the light of the world. We saw that he's the resurrection and the life. I don't know about you, John got me amped to follow Jesus. And I've been a pastor for 31 years and really saved for about 25 no, I'm, ki- I'm kidding, I'm teasing. But really, just the word, it just got me like, ah, and it's supposed to. This passage of scripture, this whole book is supposed to do that to us. I'm going to read this. I'm not going to have you stand yet. But it says John 20, 30 through 31. I left that off last week. I, I was waiting because I wanted to hit this. We started with this scripture last January, and we're going to end kind of with this scripture, starting out here. It says, now Jesus did many signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. There was a reason why when you read John that your faith rose. There's a reason why when you read John that you got a picture of who Jesus is in in, in more fullness. There's a reason. It was designed by God for that. And not just so we would have belief in Jesus. It says here that, he, that we would have belief that he is the Christ, the son of God. And that by believing you may have life in his name. So the twofold purpose of John is that we would believe that Jesus is the Christ. I'm going to stop there. Not that Jesus is. There are people that will have mental assent. I know Jesus is the son of God, came, died, rose again. I get that. And from about here up, I own that. You know what I mean? That's not what the Greek word for believe means. It means allegiance. Everybody say allegiance. allegiance. Man, it means being like, like a heart that's sold out, a heart that's dedicated, not just a mental ascent, but something that's got down in the heart deep that begins to change everything about your life. And what's so beautiful about this, it's not just belief in this like little eight pound baby, baby boy in the manger. That's wonderful. It's about belief in the Christ. What in the world? The Christ. That Christos in the Greek means the anointed one and his anointing. In the Hebrew, it's Mashiach or Messiah. Man, Jesus, all through John, we just see him showing up and showing out who he is in all his glory. And then this invitation is basically implied. Do you want to walk with this Christ or not? Do you want to believe? Do you want to have allegiance with him or not? And it's up to you. And many we saw in John begin to follow. And that invitation comes out to us. And it's, it's so beautiful because this idea of allegiance, God says, if you'll have allegiance to me, there's a benefit that comes. And sometimes people are like, are you serving Jesus for the benefits? Yeah, I am. Is that wrong? Like, I think it's a good thing. I think, like, like I want to see my children benefit from me. Amen? I don't want to see them as spoiled. 
Come on. You know what I mean? Only coming to me with a hand out. I don't want that, but I want them to look at me like my daddy's got it. And that's how it is, man. We see all through John, Jesus, the Christ, the Mashiach, the Messiah. He has it. He has our deliverance. He has our healing. He has our victory. He has our peace. He has our comfort. He has our strength. And we see his miraculous power all through John. And then this invitation is so that when we believe in him, that we begin to walk in this amazing benefit. It's not just knowing. We're walking in the benefit of new life. Watch. That by believing, you may have life in his name. Ah, that's the twofold purpose. That we'll believe or have allegiance. And that in having allegiance, we would find new life in Jesus. This idea, I want to go back to belief, this idea of allegiance. And a man by the name of John Blanchard, he said it this way. The resurrection of Jesus demands not our applause, but our allegiance. Not not our, our, oh, I love you, Lord. And we lift up our hands to him and clap, but we lift up our hearts to him in submission. Not that we lift up our mouths, but we take our feet into action. That idea of of being able to not just be able to have applause, but have allegiance. He goes on, not our compliments, but our capitulation. That's a big word, pastor. Surrender is what it means to capitulate, to surrender. So our allegiance, it demands that we surrender. In other words, it demands that we say he is Lord and he's Lord of my life. And and when we have that trade-off, if you will, when we recognize our allegiance to him, he gives us this gift of life. And the Greek word for life there is zoin with the root being zoe. How many have heard zoe before? Of course you have. That little girl in the preschool, come here, Zoe. And she comes running over and she's so cute and she's full of life. Yeah, she's full of life. That's what Zoe means. Zoe, it means life, but it's the God kind of life. It's the same kind of life that we read about when we did John 10. And we got to verse 10, and it said that the enemy steals, kills, and destroys, but it says Jesus comes to give and to make life more. Yeah. To give life and to make it abundant. It's that kind of life. It's Zoe life. Man, that's a powerful thing. And that's all John's about, is just introducing us to Christ to give us a choice. Do we want to have allegiance toward him or not? And if we do, there's an expectation upon us, not just to receive from Zoe, not just to receive abundant life, but to walk in what that means too. We're going to get to it in a second. Because when we walk in the blessing of Zoe, that blessing of abundant life, God puts a demand on us. There's things that he places in our life for us to step up into. Amen? Amen. Now we can stand to our feet and read God's word. Let's stand to our feet. Around here at Momentum, if you're new, we always stand and honor God's word at least once on a Sunday. And so John 21, we're finally, everybody, yay, John 21. We got there. John 21, one through seven. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias And he revealed himself in this way. I have to stop there because there is one amongst our midst who just was at the Sea of Tiberias last week. The Sea of Tiberias is the Sea of Galilee. That's what we call it. And Pastor Stephanie, it's good having you back. Yeah. Our connections and outreach pastor, she and her husband were able to go for 10 days. And I just, I'm so glad that about a month and a half ago, I preached a sermon called, I Feel 
jealousy and envy. And how to manage those emotions. Because I just took that and I was like, preach Pastor Ross, preach. I just listened to it over and over and over. And I was just like, she ain't even a Jew and she got to go there. I'm a wise man. I should have been there first. No, I'm happy for her. I am. <laughs> Verse 2, Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. And so this is following the resurrection of Christ. They've kind of gone back to their ways of fishing and doing. They're waiting on what's supposed to happen next. Verse 3, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said, we'll go with you. They went out and got into a boat. But that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. You'll see in a second, it was 100 yards away. So a whole football field, you're not going to exactly know who's down at the end of that field. And then Jesus says, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. This sounds familiar, right? This happened before in their ministry. This should be kind of like deja vu. Something's about to happen here, you know? So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. I love it. That disciple whom Jesus loved, speaking of John, he said, there, there, he said, he said, therefore said to Peter, Peter, it is the Lord. Like they knew. That's Jesus. Why? Because that's the kind of stuff Jesus does. Yeah. Amen? That's the kind of stuff Jesus does. That's the kind of miracles. That's the kinds of, when he engages himself with us, things happen. Life changes. Boats get full. We are boats full right now. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. Oh, man. In that moment, and I'll let you sit down. Go ahead. You can have a seat. In that moment, this one who had denied Jesus three times, he sees Jesus doing just what Jesus does. He sees Jesus, the one that he had traveled with for three years. It was so good to him. And that old denier, all he could do was just like, I'm naked, I gotta put some clothes on. <laughs> he puts his clothes on a little bit, outer coat. He's like, and he just jumps in the water. No expectation to walk this time. He doesn't care. He's just gotta get in the water. He's gotta get to Jesus. Why? There's allegiance there. That's my Lord. That's my God. It's the Lord. Lord means master. It's the one we follow and serve. It's not just the one that gives. It's the one we choose to submit to because that's what allegiance demands. And he jumps in the water a hundred yards. I don't know, y'all. I would struggle to swim a hundred yards. Anybody else in the room? All right. There wasn't a lot of swimming in the hood I grew up in. I'm just telling you right now. There wasn't. I would struggle to swim a hundred yards. My kayak, I can go all day. But don't make me swim, Brantley. 100 yards, football field. He jumps in and takes off for Jesus. Peter fully, in that moment, abandons himself in the face of Jesus. Just a week or so prior, he had abandoned the face of Jesus. Now he abandons himself in the face of Jesus. He just comes to him. And I don't know if he came to him not knowing, you know, how's he going to receive me fully here, but he just comes. Why does he just jump in the water and take off after Jesus? This is our main thing for today because allegiance demands action. I'm going to do all these things so that you can believe 
And in believing, you can have life, but that life demands something of us. That life, that newness of life demands action. Allegiance demands action. John 21, verse 8 through 11, the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, but about 100 yards off. When they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish. Watch this, 153 of them. I love how exact the number is. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Guys, I want to tell you, do you know what that significance of 153 is, that number? You ready for it? I studied, I looked. Absolutely nothing. And y'all know me. I was all excited. I was going to come like, like 13 is the number of bad luck and 5 is the number of grace. And then when you mix the bad luck and the grace, your net won't break. <laughs> but I can't do that. I will never lie to you. And I couldn't preach that because it wasn't in there. But there is significance to it. God gave that number for a reason. Because it's a big number. It was something more than they expected. It was something more than they could really handle. It even said here that part of the miracle was their nets didn't get tore up. Why? Because these are fishermen and they got a fish tomorrow. In other words, this miracle was specific for them. Why? Because Jesus cares about what concerns you. That's what we see here. The meaning of the 150 fish is just straightforward. Their appearance in the disciples' net was important because these are fishermen and fish are important. Guys, listen, your life that the Zoe life of God gets involved with will never be the same. Why? Because Jesus is concerned with what you care about. He's concerned about your life. And when we believe in him, all that he is and who he is, man, it's not that we're serving him to get. No, no. He wants us to be in relationship with him so that that Zoe, that abundant life can just begin to manifest. Fill your boat, not bust your nets. You know? Do a miracle like this. Hmm. And so Jesus, throughout the whole book of John, we saw that he gave tons of testimonies of who he was in the place of the concerns and cares of people. We saw recorded in John that he turned water into wine in John chapter 2. Why? Because he was trying to alleviate the embarrassment of that family. Is that neat? His first miracle is a wedding party with booze. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just, that's what it said. And literally, for that family to have ran out, it would have been an embarrassment to them. And he just, all right, I'm just going to do a miracle to keep these people from being embarrassed. And this will be my first miracle. That's just neat. Why? Because Jesus cares about what concerns you. Hmm. Goes on, we see all through the scripture. He heals that official son in John 4. He heals a lame man in John 5. He feeds 5,000 people, or men and children, so it could have been 20,000. 5,000 people from five loaves of bread and two fish in John 6. Just to show that he's overpowerful of everything, he walks on water, John 6, heals a man who was born blind, John, John, John 9, raises Lazarus from the dead, John 11, and then raises from the dead himself, John 20. We saw that last week. Amen. Yeah. The whole gospel is designed that we might believe he is the Christ. 
the one who is anointed. But then in believing that we would have a new life, and guess what? You're going to see that new life demands some stuff of us. Yeah, it does. Let's go John 21, verse 12 through 14. Jesus said to them, come, have, come, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish, this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Ross, what is significant to that? They have seen Jesus post-resurrection three times now. All right? These are the disciples. You have to understand, these are the same men that every single one of them but John were martyred for their faith. If you're here today and you're doubting the validity and the historicity of Jesus and this story, you have to understand, all of these people died, except for John, of being a martyr. Like, some were hung, some were sawn in two, and so on. Well, yeah, Ross, but there's lots of cults where people die. Think of like the Jim Jones cult back in the 70s. How many remember that? Some of you are like, I wasn't born yet. I hate you. <laughs> no, I love you. <clears throat> Some are like, you know what? There was all those people, you know, in that group mass suicide that they were waiting on bail bop. Nope. Hail bop. Were you in the cult? <laughs> they, were, they were waiting on hail bop. And they all killed themselves. Remember that? So you might be like, well, Pastor Ross, that happens. No, 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 no. That was a group mass murder by that man, okay, with tons of controlling elements that made it happen. Hale Bop was a group suicide. These disciples all died at different times in different ways, off the backside of different experiences and different moments of their testimony, different times of preaching. It wasn't just, hey, guys, let's have a pack and let's all die together. No, they're doing life. Why? Because this one they believed had allegiance in. They saw him as the Christ. And because of that, they're walking in a newness of life that they couldn't help but not deny who Jesus was. And in living with that kind of fierceness, people began to martyr them. Individually, one at a time. Except for John. Oh, good. John got away. He, he got out. No, he got boiled and lived, all right? I think just, just saw me in two. Don't, I don't want to be boiled in that. So all of them, I just think it's a good testament of the fact that Jesus, this is historically accurate, amen? But what you see here is when they had finished breakfast, this is verse 15, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And I know when he says that, he's speaking of the disciples, those around. Do you love me more than these? Maybe he said it about the fish. I don't know. Do you love me more than these? Well, Jesus, if it was five, yeah, but it's 153. I don't know. Do you know what I can make with that? You know, this, is, this could be a new lucrative opportunity, right? No, but he says, do you love me more than these? And, and basically what he was doing is like, where's your allegiance now, Peter? Where's your allegiance now? And he's setting them up for something really neat. But he asked, that's the first question. Do you love me more than these? And you know why I think God was setting them up with that? Because God is gracious. God is kind. God is merciful. But God is also sovereign. He's a ruler. He's king of kings. He's Lord of lords. 
And when it comes to God asking that question, do you love me more than these? We have to understand God tolerates no rival. Period. Period. And so I just, when I was reading, I was like, oh Lord, what are things in my life that God would look to me and say, do you love me more than those things? What are the rivals in my heart that edge God out? What are the rivals in my heart that at times causes me to not walk in the allegiance that he deserves? What are the rivals in your heart? Can we take a second and think about that today? If he looks at you and he says, do you love me more than these? What are the these in your life? What are they? What's beautiful is Peter's already messed up. This is a part of the process of restoration. I'm not telling you you got to be perfect up in here, right? Peter's in the middle of being perfected, but part of that perfecting is him figuring out, do you have a rival against me? Like, what are, who, who do you love more? Man. And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him then, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, then tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved. It's like, you keep asking me and I keep telling you. And the third time, do you love me? And he says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus says to him, then feed my sheep. A couple things in here I love. Theologians will say that he denied Jesus three times. And this wasn't Jesus just questioning and doubting his love. This was Jesus really and honestly just doing something powerful on a deep, and can I say psychological level in the life of Peter? To be able to affirm a new reality, to frame a new reality in place of an old reality. Is that like, 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 I want to lay on a couch and let Jesus talk to me. You know, this is like, this is like therapy. That's what he's doing here. And he's, he's trying to get him to affirm who he is now. That denier's not who you are. Do you love me? Yes. You denied me once. That denier's not who you are. Do you love me? Yes. You denied me twice. That denier's not who you are. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. And I think there was a little bit of consternation within him. Like, I hate that he has to ask me this three times. I hate that my past keeps bringing itself up to my mind. I hate that. But he keeps doing it. But Jesus loves you. He's just like, today, remember this? It's a new day. <laughs> Do you love me? All right. God's got to feed my sheep. The other part of that is this. You ready for this? I love this. Do you love me? Are you going to have allegiance toward me? Yeah then get into action. That's all it was. It was just the idea. Now, I know that's his action because he's called to be a pastor, if you will, or apostle as he planted the churches and so on. But God has a call in every one of our lives. And so this allegiance demands action. The thing about faith and belief is that faith always should have corresponding action to it. Yes, I believe. Okay, then what are you doing with that? Faith to be saved, the corresponding action is to confess with your mouth. Yes, I believe Jesus is Lord. The Bible says confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God has raised him from the dead and you will be saved. So there's faith, but there's corresponding action. 
And so that idea of faith with corresponding action, I went to Oral Roberts University, and that was a big thing from Oral. He was always like, add faith, add, if you're going to have faith, add to your faith. If you're praying, add prayer. If, if, if you're going to have faith about something, add fasting. If you're going to have faith about something, add this, add that. Well, that sounds like works. No, it sounds like action. Faith without works is dead. There should be corresponding action. But pastor, I believe. I get it, but what are you doing? Does that make sense? And so he's coming to him. I'm giving you my allegiance, Jesus. I love you. And then Jesus is like, and I love you so much, I'm going to see an expression of the new life manifest in you and through you. Beyond your old shortcomings, beyond the past, feed my sheep. (laughs) It hits me. And the reason why is because often in life, I feel too disqualified to act. I don't think I'm alone in that in this room, amen? Jesus says, Ross, do this, and okay, I will, but I have the benefit of having my pastor here and his wife, Mom Blair, you know, I started serving with them when I was 21 years old and served almost almost 11 years, 10 and a half years. And you all, many of you know, they retired to here. Pastor Corey that played bass today, but he's our, our main worship leader. He wasn't playing today. Brandon did an amazing job. Amen? <clears throat> all the teams around here are good. But that's his son. And so we have the benefit of Pastor coming. Pastor remembers me at 21, 22, 23. With so much fear and trembling. I just wanted to serve Jesus because he's good. He changed our family. I just want to serve him. I want to introduce people to him. And I would be, I'd be tore up on the floor. I just, I would be a mess. My jaw's almost locking, stuttering, just a mess. But God says, go do this. Whatever it might have been. It may have been a hospital visit. It may have been a teaching, a sermon. It may have been leading a leadership meeting. It didn't matter. There was never a time in my 20s that I wasn't a mess. But I'd step out. And guess what? He is the Christos, the anointed one. And with him, it's not just his anointing, it's the anointing that he has upon us too, you know? Like, think about Peter, St. Peter. Who are you? Some people say you're Elijah. Some people say you're John the Baptist. Some people say, and he's like, yeah, but who do you say I am? And Peter looks at Jesus and says, you are the Christ. You're the anointing, I want the anointing. And then Jesus looks at Peter and says, you know what? And you're Peter. You're not Simon anymore. You're a rock. And upon this rock, I'll build my church. That, 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 that was my whole 20s, maybe 30s, maybe almost, I'm 50 now, maybe 50, I don't know. <laughs> but it was just the idea that, that I feel like a Simon. <laughs> but I'm a freaking rock. Not because of me. <laughs> because of him. Because <clears throat> I was just young enough and dumb enough to just... Jump out the boat, run to Jesus. Okay, Jesus, I'm a mess, but if you could use... Guys, I don't know if I've ever told you this guy. Guys, I was stealing and selling stuff six months before people started calling me Pastor Ross. You know, one of my thoughts was this. Like, I was raised old school, so if you smoke, you go to hell. I'm not telling you that. I'm just saying that's how I was raised. (laughs) And being a little bit um, tight with money... My thought was, if I'm sinning already, like, why would I buy cigarettes? If I'm already sinning going to hell, I'll just steal those things. 
I never bought a cigarette one in the six months I smoked. Not, not one. I stole them all. And then that showed me there was lots of opportunities to steal a lot of stuff and sell a lot of stuff. You know what, like, commission is, or not commission, what profit is on something you stole? 100%. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I've never said that from a platform, ever. But it was six months of going sideways, y'all. Six months. It was only six months. Because I knew when I was a little boy and I saw God change my dad, I knew I was going to be a pastor. I knew it. But you know what? In my teenage years, I saw all these preachers fail. And I was a mess up. I was always in trouble. How in the world am I going to make it? So I don't want no part of it. And I backslid. I thought if I can backslide, he'll take that anointing off. It don't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And so long story short, Lord, I'll be allegiant, I'll have allegiance towards you. And then he said, all right, do this. And a door opened to go to Pennsylvania, start working at this church. Four, like literally four months after I repented and rededicated my life. November, March, March 2nd, 1992. From November to March. I go in to tell my mom and dad, you know, because I was going to college at the time and I was at home. And I went in to tell them I've repented. And, and I was telling them what I did. You know, Mama, I smoke pot. And, oh, honey, now, don't you say that on yourself. <laughs> my boy can do no wrong. Oh, your boy did some wrong. <laughs> and I liked it. <laughs> That's the thing. But man, in four months' time, got the opportunity to go work at this church as an as a intern. And within, I've told you this part of the story before, within a couple of weeks, People are going, hey, Pastor Ross this, hey, Pastor Ross that. And I'm like, whoa, wait, whoa, I'm 19 years old. I talked to the pastor, and I just said to him, I said, they're calling me pastor. And he goes, live up to it. That's all he said. That's all he said, live up to it. Man, I've been trying to live up to it for 31 years. And so I came at this with fear. All I knew, though, was Jesus. I seen him do, like John shows, all time after time. I seen him be too good in people's lives. And then when he put a demand on me, I responded. And you're no different. You're the preacher. You're just the preacher in the pew, not the preacher on the pulpit. That's the only difference. Okay? I got to keep going. I got to keep going. <clears throat> I got to find where I'm at. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's it. That's it. So the idea of feeling disqualified, too disqualified to act. Well, that's where Zoe comes in. That's where Zoe comes in. Because you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. You guys have always wondered what this big tattoo I have on my arm is. I'll tell you what it is. On the top of it, it says, old things pass away. And down here, it says, all things become new. Here on the backside is Paul on the road to Damascus getting knocked off his horse. Why? It represents my dad. Paul was an angry Jew, and God knocked him off his horse and brought him into the ministry. I'm not saying Jews are angry. I'm just saying that's how Paul was. And for some reason, my dad, too. <laughs> my dad was an angry Jew, and God knocked him off his horse and saved my dad. And I watched my dad become a new man when I was a kid and go into, like, sell businesses, go into ministry, and basically all things have become new. That's the newness of life, amen? And so that's Zoe. That, so yes, you may feel disqualified, and you may pull back from that action because you feel disqualified, but thank God Peter didn't. Remember, Jesus always qualifies the disqualified. 
especially if they're submitted to him. That's, if you come to him in submission, he'll qualify you. And then he makes all things new. Now, here's the thing. I'm almost done. When he makes all things new, being made new, our thankfulness to him for the life that we've now been given should drive us to allegiance and to action. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do, get into action, Peter. Yeah, get into action. Love should drive you to corresponding action every time. I love what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said. Dietrich Bonhoeffer is one of my favorite people because he was one of the preachers that stood up against the Nazi regime. And he was killed for it. But Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he said this, action springs not from thought, but from a readiness for responsibility. You love me? You want to have allegiance? Do something. Everybody look to your neighbor and say, do something. Yeah. Your something will be different than my something, but do something. Our allegiance should move us into responsibility, into action. And here's why. Because we're new people. How, how many here you got a new iPhone this last year, that iPhone 14? Anybody got a new, an iPhone 14? Yeah, I traded an iPhone 5 in. <laughs> Bro, they gave me 400 bucks for an iPhone 5. Nice. I'm serious. I was glad they didn't plug it in, but they, they did. <laughs> this week I was with a buddy of mine, and I was trying to take a screenshot of something, all right? And he's like, oh, and he saw me. I take this picture, and then I move the, the picture, and I take another picture. I was, it was a thing on a web page. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I just want to get all the pages. He goes, no, no, no. He said, watch this. You push this button, and then there's this little symbol, and you touch it, and now you just drag as far as you want, as long as that page is going. And when you stop, it takes it all. Boom. <laughs> I was blown away. <laughs> Pastor, what in the world does that mean? It's this. New things should result in new functions and bring new experiences. You didn't get that old iPhone with the expectations it's going to run like the 5. You're like, there better be some new features and functions in here. This thing's been created too good to be acting like it used to be. You know? And that's how God is. God has created you in such a way you're new. And there ought to be a demand. And so don't be disqualified. Realize, no, I'm new in him. And because of that new life I have found, there ought to be some new function and some new features in my life. And when I have new functions and new features, it leads to new experiences. Amen? This, one more, can I tell you one more story and I'm going to be done? Oh, it's only 33 minutes. I got 20 more minutes to go. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. This week, a buddy of mine, he bought a new Tesla. And um, so Danny brings this Tesla over. Tesla Y. It's not Y. Why? It's pretty. And it was kind of funny because it's got this white, white, snow white seats. And Danny owns two auto mechanic shops. I'm like, bro, you're a mechanic, you know? And he still wrenches some too. I'm like, man. But, but he brings this car over and we're talking about it. And I'm just like, this thing is crazy. It's got all these new features, you know? Elon Musk is just amazing. And so literally, I know it sounds stupid, but I, I was just blown away. You can actually program a whoopee cushion to go in the car at whatever seat you wanted it to go in, which of course would be your wife's seat every time. Isn't that funny? Yeah, yeah. 
And, um, and I won't even tell you what you can say verbally to open up the gas tank lid. I'm not going to tell you. If you see me after church, I will tell you. It's, it's, it just, it's not good for mixed company. But there's, Elon is hilarious. And here's something he did. Danny goes, watch this, Ross. And he sets this thing up. And it's called the light show. Have you guys heard of this? Okay, so these are a bunch of grown men, all right? Grown butt men. And we are standing on this hill. I'm, I'm lost where I'm at. We're standing on this hill over here. And he turns his car on, the light show. And we all stand out and watch. And music starts to play. Windows start to do this. The mirrors start to do in rhythm, you know? The trunk is open. The gas cap. I mean, it was, it was, it was just going. It was like, it was crazy. And the, and the lights, all the lights are flashing. It was awesome. And it's called the light show. And I was just like, I thought it was just cool that they drive themselves. This is even cooler. <laughs> I asked Danny, does it drive itself? He said, yeah, this one does too. But it does the light show. <laughs> and I want you, you'll never forget this. You'll never forget this. You ready for this? You've been made new. I told you new things should result in new functions and new features that bring new experiences. All right? So listen, you've been made new, and the life of Christ in you should cause a freaking light show. Yeah. Wow. Amen? Yeah. Out of your life, a light show. Like, like that, that's who you are, new creature in Christ. Matthew says, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill can't be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Every single one of us in this room have a responsibility. If we are going to have allegiance to God, responsibility to get into action and to feed some sheep. Now, that may be different for you. You may not be called to be a pastor, but every one of you is called to do something. The mandate on this house is to lead you on an adventure into more in life through Christ Jesus. That's our purpose statement. And that's not for the pastors. That's for the few hundred ministers that call this home, because that's the ministers in the pew, amen? Your mandate is to lead people to more in life, that Zoe life, to lead people to more in life through Christ Jesus. And every one of us can do that. And we do it all kind of in our own, on our own way. And that's all right, all right? But you may feel as if you don't have anything to offer. Just like Peter, that's okay. He will qualify you if you feel disqualified. Come with allegiance and submission and allow him to use you to do new things because you have been made new. In his My Utmost for His Highest, Oswald Chambers, he said, never let the sense of failure corrupt your new action. Every one of us have had failures. But God calls us to that next thing, that next action I'm not saying we go into that without repentance. No. Peter modeled repentance and brokenness. But then the enemy would try to use that to come against Peter and hold him back. No, no, no. He was ready for new action as God called it forth out of his life. It was something that he couldn't do on his own. But the Holy Spirit, when you go and fast forward to Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes upon him. And upon him having the Holy Spirit in his life, he preached the most poignant, like in your face, no denying anything, kind of a sermon. And 3,000 people got saved that day. And he literally began to feed the sheep of God. Amen. I'm looking at a room full right now of people that are vessels of God that he wants to pour in you 
and through you, just like he did Peter. And so I want to tell you, let your belief in Jesus and the new life he has given you result in you being used by him as a light show to spark belief in others. Amen? And, and the thing about that, do you mean I need to be preaching to my friends? Like just like, like testifying? Listen to what Dwight Moody said. I love this. God has called us to shine. Let no one say that he cannot shine because he has not so much influence as some others may have. What God wants you to do is to use the influence you have. That's how you shine. It's not just that you're going to testify. You're going to preach. You're going to, no, no. Danny got a bunch of grown men on a hill going, oh my gosh, it's amazing. That car's fantastic. <laughs> We're just goofy for the car. You know what I mean? Like, like I want to know more. Tell me more. You know? <laughs> and Jesus is better than Tesla. Amen? <laughs> Amen. I want Jesus in my heart and a Tesla in my garage. No. No. No, Jesus is better than a Tesla. <laughs> I just want us in action. Amen? Pastor Stephanie's preaching next Sunday, and she's going to take us on the next step of this, challenging us to action. She's like, I am, you are. She's going to take us on the next step of this next week. And, <laughs> oh, man. And the reason why is because the book ends with this, 2125. Watch this. There are also many other things that Jesus did. Where were every one of them to be written, I suppose the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. And I, and I know that that's a little bit of hyperbole. He was here three years, did a lot of miracles. But guess what? His body is still in the earth today. That's you. And I guarantee you, if what was written from all that God has done through his church, through the body of Christ in the earth since, since 2,000 years ago, there's not books that could, that could contain them at all. Do you want to be satisfied leaning back on their testimonies? Or do you want to see God start using you as a light show and see what he can do and shine through you and see some testimonies made, amen? For his glory, for the good of God, others, and for the glory of God. That's why we do it all. And so I want to pray. If you're here today, I want you to believe in Jesus. If you've never made that profession of faith, like, like, like you know without a doubt, you've never said, you know what, I'm ready to serve Jesus. If that's you, we don't have to bow our heads or close our eyes. There's a, whole, there's a room full of people ready to celebrate with you. If that's you with boldness, just hold your hand up. I'm not gonna have you come up here, but I just wanna see your hand. I wanna follow Jesus. And I'm choosing to do that for the first time or today's really hit me to where I know I have not been giving him full allegiance and I'm ready to walk in full allegiance and surrender to him. If that's you, hold up your hand. Let me see any hands. I see a hand in the back. Amen. Let's all just pray. Say, Jesus, we surrender our hearts to you afresh and anew. Lord, forgive us of our sins. We would choose to live treating you as the Lord of our life. We are committed to following you, learning from you, and being used by you. In Jesus' name. And now if you want God to make you a light show, raise your hand. Amen? I'm going to pray. Ah, Jesus, I, I thank you for those in this room. Lord God, I praise you <laughs> that you're going to use them to shine your glory you're going to use them, not, not that people would see them for, for 
their piety, but Lord God, they would see them just as people of purpose that love you and it just oozes out of their life, God. That they would see them as people that just are so in, 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 in passionate about you and who you are that there's no, nothing they can do to keep the light of you from pouring forth from them, God. Lord, shine your light bright in our lives. We will not be that, that city on a hill that will have that light covered by a bushel. We will not be, but Lord God, we will allow our hearts to shine bright for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.